Can you have high cholesterol, smoke, drink, and be sedentary without getting heart disease? Well, certain people can, and we're gonna tell you about them. There's a few options. One, if you're a bear. Two, if you're willing to die of other causes before you're 20. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to the After Hours podcast. It is a Friday afternoon, after hours, more or less. So uh, we're gonna talk about some exciting topics like bears, uh, how do bears gain so much body fat and not lose lean body mass, um, brown, beige, white adipose. It's a topic that we both really like. In fact, I don't think I've told you this before, but on our first date, I think I told my wife Maddie all about bears and their metabolism and their like body composition changes. Um, and she still makes fun of that to this day. Well, little did she know that we would be podcasting about bears and we've already done an episode talking about bear serum that was mentioned as a study. Mm -hmm. um, and stay tuned for a rant about how BMI is inappropriately used in uh, some scientific studies. So that'll be lots of fun. Yeah. Uh, let's start things off with a tweet here. This is an older tweet, uh, it's from 2022. So yep. we don't know if this medical doctor has changed their views or not, but um, this medical doctor says that bears have high LDL, high triglyceride and high HDL, yet zero atherosclerosis. Zero ASCVD. What's the secret? Uh, oh, then she lists four reasons. Um, the secret is no oxidative stress, no smoking, no seed oils, and an all raw food diet. Mm. Heat destroys nutrition, so use it wisely. Well, I don't think that there is a single organism that doesn't have any oxidative stress. Yeah. Um, so is this an advocation for a raw food diet? Because I tried that once and it didn't work out so well. Yeah, it, raw food diet is probably not the best for humans. In fact, I think you can uh, manipulate things and cook things and actually get better um, nutrition out of them in some cases. Um, I'm just thinking in terms of uh, different ways to prepare potatoes and you can have a more favorable glycemic impact, sort of rearranging the uh, glucose chains in there. Yep. Um, but uh, there was one case of a stroke in a bear uh, that's been documented, but that's mm -hmm. it. And we don't know if that was ischemic or traumatic. I, I would bet the latter. Yep. Um, but claim number one, we sort of debunked. There's no animal, as far as I'm aware, that exists without oxidative stress. Nope. What about bears and smoking? Yeah, surprisingly enough, there are bears that um, consume tobacco products and alcohol. One of my favorite characters, if you will, is um, Wajak, the Polish bear that carried artillery shells in uh, World War II. Polish bear, not to be confused with the polar bear, the yep. bear that became a cigarette-smoking, beer-drinking hero. Yeah, so um, this individual bear, I believe it's a Syrian brown bear, so very rare type of bear, but was born and uh, found its way somehow into the Polish army in World War II. Um, it was known for carrying heavy boxes of artillery shells, and also had a habit, uh, like many soldiers do, of smoking, drinking, wrestling, and just in general being rowdy. Yeah, here you see him training or, or wrestling with one of the other soldiers. Uh, advantage to the bear, I would assume. Yep, um, looks like a pretty big bear. Interestingly, 
Um, looking up information on him, now, of course, you can't believe everything, but um, after the war, uh, sadly, Poland was um, not exactly a free country. So a lot of the soldiers that got stranded in various places um, went to Scotland to seek refuge, and they took their beloved bear with them. He ended up at the Edinburgh Zoo and lived a normal lifespan of 21, 22 years, depending on the source that you read, which is normal for a Syrian brown bear between 20 and 25. So despite all of the, uh, I guess, trash that he consumed, um, normal military rations, that can certainly do a number on your gut microbiome, <laughs> and yeah. uh, tobacco and alcohol, lived a normal life. Yeah, and I guess the caveat there is this is an N of one. It would have been much better if they would have a fleet of these bears perhaps several dozen of them, and then you could have seen uh, if this was the average or if uh, Wajak was an outlier, perhaps. Yeah. It did say that he was double the average size of a male Syrian brown bear in the wild. So instead of 550 pounds or so, he weighed over a thousand pounds. So he was, uh, perhaps he was a slightly, you know, he could have been a breed of two different types of bears, or maybe he was just a particularly large bear, or maybe he had a really high body fat percentage, but because he's a bear, he didn't have ASCBD. Maybe it was the soldier's love that made him grow beyond his normal size. It wouldn't be the first time something like that had been documented. You think like, back of like Clifford, the big red dog. The Grinch. Um, yeah, that made his heart. heart enlarge. Not pathologically so. <laughs> he had probably had like an Epstein's anomaly or something before that. Yeah. So now how about some actual reasons that bears don't get atherosclerosis? Because by human standards, bears are morbidly obese most of the time. 30%, 40% body fat. Upwards of yeah. over 50% if you Especially happen to be a polar, polar bear. Um, sedentary for months and months at a time, depending on how long they're hibernating, sometimes up to six months. Yep. So sedentary, um, obese very high lipids. It sounds like a recipe for disaster. Um, people will like this first one, some people. Uh, larger LDL particles. Um, various influencers love to point out that large and fluffy particles are favorable. Um, I think studies do show that things like a better omega-3 index are associated mm -hmm. with larger LDL particles. Huge LDL particle. Better that's a big LDL particle. Yep. Better metabolic health. Directionally, you see larger LDL particles. Um, and then you see the inverse. You tend to see more small, dense LDLs and things like diabetes or people who are like smoking, for example. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, but I wouldn't bet my life on LDL particle size. Um, How large of an LDL particle? Is this the size of a bare LDL to scale? To scale. Probably this is, scale. This is uh, Thomas Dayspring, a famous lipidologist. This is his lipoprotein structure. And one interesting thing we were discussing is, it, is the reason why the LDL is so uh, light and fluffy, if you will, is that their mutations in ApoB? Because they have a lot of ApoB mutations. Yeah, looking at the polar bears, they had nine, I think it was nine missense mutations in ApoB. Um, and yeah, this could affect particle size. I think yep. particle size is mostly genetic from what we know, mm -hmm. you know, something in the realm of, you know, 30 to 60% depending on the paper you're looking at. Yep. Um, and then even things that we may talk about is like the, the triglyceride content yep. versus the cholesterol ester content in the core. Um, this model actually happens to resemble that of a bear more than that of a human uh, LDL particle anyway. If you can't see that, it's about 50-50 triglycerides and cholesterol. Triglycerides being the green, cholesterol being the yellow. 
So this and may it be is more, about 50 50. This yeah. is more similar to a bear, whereas or, a human would have more cholesterol, yeah. as you mentioned. Yeah. Or perhaps it could be a VLDL, which would carry more triglycerides. triglycerides that's people. true. It could also be a VLDL. Yeah. Which bears uh, LDL particles tend to resemble humans' triglycerides, VLDL. VLDLs that, that yep. carry the triglycerides more closely. VLDL being triglyceride carrying, um, except some people always point out, well, chylomicrons also carry triglycerides, I believe, primarily or just absorbed triglycerides from the gut for chylomicrons, yeah. whereas the VLDL carries the other triglycerides. Uh, they also have better HDL efflux capacity. Um, these are tests that I guess you can get like a Boston Heart or perhaps Cleveland Heart Lab and mm -hmm. you can see on paper how well it looks like your HDL might function. Uh, but again, I have not got this test myself and I wouldn't bet my life on it. Um, mm -hmm. But based on the, the laboratory data in bears, it looks like if they are having these larger LDLs occasionally get into that uh, subarterial space, into the arterial wall, that the HDLs are sort of removing any clusterosters that get deposited there so that they don't, basically they don't have fatty streaks even, mm -hmm. not even the earliest stages of uh, atherosclerosis, even mm -hmm. at an advanced age. Yep. Um, and then one that was kind of interesting, one that I haven't really looked a lot at in, in terms of human data, was the differences in electrical charge there. So they have a, a higher negative charge or a less positive surface charge on their LDLs. So another reason that the bear LDLs would tend to resemble human VLDLs more. Yep. Um, so one reason that I added to this list, uh, you know, your four reasons are fine and everything, <laughs> but the reason why I think that bears have less uh, ASCVD is they usually just straight up feed on human trash, which has huge amounts of processed foods, which contain seed oils, and those PUFAs in the seed oils, I think that's what's protective against atherosclerosis in bears. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's all about what you're replacing in the diet, right? So if you have a, a bear that's eating a unhealthy diet with saturated fat in it from the salmon, mm -hmm. if they just trade some of that salmon for some discarded Twinkies or something like that from a human diet, then you're going to help decrease that LDL. Yeah, exactly. Because less saturated fat, less LDL. The proof is action on the LDL receptor. Mm -hmm. They'll yep. clear out those particles yep. faster. But I, I sort of and think of the the electrical charge sort of like a magnet. Uh, you can think of a magnet, yep. two opposing charges. One is going to be sort of floating there. Um, and in humans, perhaps you have uh, less floating and more bumping into uh, the wall of those LDLs. You know, yep. kind of how you can think of it. it. Probably isn't a perfect analogy, but. Uh, might help people kind of visualize what we mean when we're talking about the charges and LDLs yep. and the arterial wall. It's a hovercraft that is floating higher above the surface of the wall and thus not scraping into it. Um, another thing to consider with uh, bear lifespans is their average lifespan is only, you know, a couple decades. But even with that, you would expect atherosclerosis starting as an atherosclerotic streak. So it is like, let's say a bear did li live to 80 or 100 years. They probably would have less ASCVD. And then uh, another thing to consider is, um, you know, the, the main cause of death in bears is starvation. So if you're comparing bears that are in a food desert, if that's such a thing as bears, there's not many bear grocery stores, less trash cans. Bears with <laughs> lots of human trash cans where they can feed on human foods, those bears will not die as often, they'll reproduce more. And then bears that are, you know, not near a salmon stream or a human trash can, um, they will die more. Yeah, uh, I think 
hunting and starvation are the top two causes, specifically yep. for polar bears, uh, which are the largest bear. It's very close between polar bears and Kodiak bears, uh, both of which can get, like we mentioned before, upwards of 50% body fat with seemingly no consequences. Do you think their joints hurt? It's a good question. Um, do bears limp when they're old? I assume they do, but probably just because they've been injured from fighting. Yeah, I don't know. I get, you know, the whole like wear and tear model of degenerative joint disease is not true, certainly. But uh, I'm sure that it helps that they only have 20 years of using the joints instead of yeah. 100. Well, and they're taking at least several months out of each year off using the joints. Mm. They rest let the connective tissue adapt, and then go back out and, and bulk up another season. Didn't that make back pain worse when we tried that for back pain? Works for bears. Works for me. Yeah. Um, Maybe an interesting future area of study. Right. But So how much protein should a bear eat? Uh, same as humans. One gram per pound of lean body mass per day. Checks out. Yeah. Actually, uh, it does. <laughs> bears seem to eat around 20,000 calories a day. Almost 20% of that is protein, even in the Kodiak bear, which is an omnivore, spends more time eating grass and berries than it does meat. And yeah, for an average size bear, that's about 850 grams of protein per day. Yeah, and maybe even higher in a, a polar bear who has a very low carbohydrate diet. So yep. you're very high fat and presumably higher protein. They might be eating something like 1,500. 1,200 to 1,500 grams of protein per day. Yeah. Polar bears are the keto bros and keto chicks of the bear world. Because they like cold plunges. They like cold plunges. They eat a lot of fat and blubber. And uh, they work out a lot. Right? Exercise a lot. They do exercise a lot. Yeah, a lot of steps per day. and Oh, and they swim a lot too. Swimming? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing we haven't discussed this time is... White, beige, and brown adipose tissue. Some people might be familiar with the difference between white adipose tissue, which has the huge single lipid droplet, and a tiny little mitochondria, maybe one or two of them, not very many. Well, not literally one or two, but relatively few mitochondria. Yeah. And then brown adipose is the, the opposite. It has a whole bunch of uh, mitochondria and tiny little lipid droplets, very metabolically active. There's actually beige adipose, and I've seen a couple studies propose pink adipose as well. Hmm. Is, that, is it pink in between the white and beige? Yes. So it's a spectrum. Yep. Hmm. So it's, it's a spectrum. And, um, you know, they can tell what's what by actually doing PET scans. And um, bears have a particular easy time inducing beige adipose. And one of the questions proposed is, well, is this due to cold exposure? Um, because they're cold when they're hibernating in general. It's cold. It's extremely cold in the winter where most bears live. Or is this just due to, you know, hormesis, sirtuins kicking in, leptin levels, IGF-1 levels? Likely all of the above. But uh, in the New England Journal of Medicine, there was a study published that looked at beige adipose tissue in humans, in healthy male volunteers. Well, healthy, but some of them had a body fat percentage over 40%. Yeah, so I assume that they did DEXA scans on these patients and then separated them by body fat percent to tease out uh, basically what leaner people had, what type of adipose tissue, and then also what people with higher body fat percentages had in terms of the type of adipose tissue. That is also what I assumed, but looking at the study, they did DEXAs, but they did not stratify these uh, volunteers 
by body fat percentage, even though the study is literally on proportion of white adipose versus beige and brown adipose. So they use something like waist circumference, probably. They did not use waist circumference. What did they use? They used BMI. Over 25, you were in the overweight or obese group, even if you they had individuals in the study at 16% body fat. And then you were in the normal group if you had a BMI of under 25. So you could have a BMI of 24.8, and I believe someone in the study did, and somebody in the study also had a body fat percentage of 26%, and they were in the lean healthy group. So I'm sure that individual's results skewed the proportion of brown to white adipose. Oh yeah, I would yeah. assume so. Yeah, so literally all this study would need is, and you wouldn't think something like this would, and this is a little bit of an older study, but you'd think that somebody in the peer review process at New England Journal of Medicine would mention that, hey, your data could be analyzed so much better, but I guess this is just a, a vestige or a microcosm of the complete lack of awareness um, about the superiority of using body fat percentage to assess metabolic and uh, adipose brain axis health rather than BMI. Yeah, and we've talked about BMI before, for the average person in the population, it is gonna be reflective, but you can see even in a small group, we didn't have to you know, find a study that had a thousand people in it to cherry pick one statistically mm -hmm. important result. Um, this only had 24 subjects total. Yep. So even in that you saw, you know, extreme of people being sort of misclassified as lean or unlean. Yep. And maybe we're just uh, upset about this because we both happen to have BMIs over 25 or uh, maybe we're upset about this because this is what makes people want to smash scales or maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. So I, I actually had a DEXA scan done this morning and I am not yet at my goal body fat percentage to get on par with something like a bear. Um, but I am at a body fat percentage where it looks like I'm getting proportionally more visceral fat. So my plan is to scale back. I certainly wouldn't want to continue at the same rate. Um, I increased my body fat percentage from 13.9%, I believe, mm -hmm. to 16.8, just under 17%. Um, I happen to store my fat like a camel. Most of it is in my back. Um, so that's an interesting fact about James. <laughs> <laughs> a dromedary James. Um, yeah. Um, but I, I don't plan to do the bear diet, uh, 20,000 calories a day. I do like salmon and I like berries. So mm -hmm. I, I would probably enjoy that diet, but not 20,000 calories of it. Yeah. And fortunately, these DEXA changes are largely positive. Um, you did gain almost 10 pounds of lean body mass, which is quite good. You gained a little bit of bone mineral density as well. And that's still... not even including the toes. The toes were cut off and that's yep. probably at least another 10 Confounder. pounds of muscle. Uh, two pounds of muscle. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still quite young. So you're at an age where you're still contributing high amounts to that physical retirement account to your lean body mass, your fat free mass, your bone mineral density, your stockpiling those. So we're just trying to become big boned. Yeah. So basically so that you won't be sarcopenic or osteopenic when you're 80, 90, 100, 110. Um, I do my DEXA scans as well. I think mine was 14.1% total. Yep, something in that range yep. that sounds about right. And I carry my fat relatively equally in most areas, just not a lot in my lower legs. Maybe that's a vestige of me being a runner, or maybe that's just because I tend, like, you know, some, God has a sense of humor. You just put like a particularly large frame and body on me, but made my femur super long and my calves super lean. So it's like, 
I could have been a good runner, but I just need to scale everything down a bit. But um, anyway, I'm certainly watching my bone density because I have a family history, even in males, of osteoporosis. And fortunately, my uh, T-score was something ridiculously high, so I'm pretty happy with that yeah, retirement account. Good. Yep. So let us know uh, your uh, body composition results in the comments. At some point, we'll post our body composition and do like the Andy Galpin test. And we'll, do, we'll have more of, the, of this type of stuff coming in the future, but uh, post what you've had. And let's say you've got a biometric or bioimpedance testing, like an in-body, and let's say it's 10% different. I've seen this several times now, by uh, the way. Actually, yeah, this happened to me. Mm -hmm. I used a uh, bioimpedance scale and I was told I was 28% body fat. Uh, and this was less than a week ago. <laughs> yeah. You probably <laughs> forgot to press the athlete button. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Um, and again, I think we've said this half a dozen times, see the research of Grant Tinsley to compare different bioimpedance body fat analysis and their accuracy among, you know, the average individual. But uh, if you're somebody that happens to have, uh, you know, a good amount of lean body mass, or if you're if you have sarcopenia or osteoporosis, then you probably don't want a retail DEXA. You want a, you know, a medical grade prescribed DEXA scan to look at your bone density. Mm. But getting something like a DEXA scan, uh, like a DEXA fit, if you go to dexafit.com or dexascan.com slash locations, um, that's a great start for most people. Yeah, and I think that's a good point about a medical DEXA to look at the bone density of specific areas. I, I've seen cases where bone density is above average on your retail DEXA, yep. but when you look at the femoral neck, um, you see that this person is actually slightly below average, maybe not osteoporotic, but they do have some some ground to make up in terms of their femoral bone density. Yeah, my wife said my thick skull is bringing my bone, my T-score up. Uh, well, we'll have the next time instead of cutting off the toes, you can just cut off the skull on your DEXA and see what the see. difference is. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. Um, the brain is a fatty organ, so it would probably bring down the body fat percentage a bit. Yeah. I'm but it's sure. also a lot of water, so yeah, probably a wash. It, it, it could be a wash. In fact, I think the DEXA fit I did did give me a body fat percentage for my head. I will post that in the comments if I can find it after <laughs> the video. Yeah. So if you're a bear that's watching this and you had a heart attack, please let us know in the comments. If you're a bear that is watching this and you've not had a heart attack, please let us know that as well. Yeah. As always, thank you for listening and may God bless you with health and happiness.